Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief of Modern Retail. This week's episode is a little bit different. It was recorded live at the Modern Retail Marketing Leaders Forum that was held last week. I spoke with Carla Dunham, Foxtrot's CMO, about the retailer's expansion plans. To learn more about our events, go to www.modernretail.co slash events. That's www.modernretail.co slash events. And now, my conversation with Carla. So first, for those who don't know, why don't you just give a little rundown about what Foxtrot is, and then we can go into sort of everything that you've been up to for the last few months. Absolutely. We describe describe ourselves as sort of the next generation corner store. So imagine your favorite uh, local corner store with your favorite finds that are found in your favorite um, food stores locally. That is us. Um, We also lean in on convenience um, with the idea that we can have um, any of our products delivered to you in 30 minutes or less or available for five minute pickup. And then additionally, um, we offer fresh food and great locally sourced coffee, and that's available um, all day. And then in the evening, our stores turn into very easy to enjoy uh, wine bars with great assortment of local wines on tap and available by the bottle, all uh, picked by our sommelier. Wow, it's a lot of different things. Um, when when did Foxtrot first launch? And was this always the vision? The, the company was founded by Michael Vitola and Taylor Bloom back in 2014. And it really started with this belief that um, it should be a lot easier to get great local products of available to you on demand for delivery. We started first as an app uh, where anything that you could imagine in Chicago that would be coming from local purveyors was available in the palm of your hand. And then to really meet the demand, we opened our first location in the West Loop of Chicago. And that began our foray into retail. And it's been a love affair ever since. Uh, We're now in three different markets, Chicago, Dallas, and DC. And just over three weeks ago, I believe it is, we opened our 13th store in uh, the Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago. Okay, so can you talk about sort of how you approached e-com expansion before the pandemic? Because I feel like now it probably has changed a lot given consumer demands have shifted. But what was your overall relationship with e-com? Uh, and uh, was it all just through your app? How did you acquire customers? All that jazz. Well, you know, I think that in many ways, your experience in e-com really kind of marries how people discover us and how they get connected to us. So we look at our stores as being the first moment of discovery and that once you're kind of in that flywheel of getting your daily morning cup of coffee, you're much more inclined to get delivery from us. Um, Usually the first order um, in delivery happens on our web, our website. And then once you're um, in our full ecosystem, you're downloading the app and you're being part of our loyalty system, which we call Perks. Um, And once you've met that $100 threshold monthly spend, that then enables you to unlock free coffee and a whole host of other benefits. And so... uh... Let's talk about, well, so I want to talk about expansion because you guys have just announced a big expansion. So what's what's going on with that? Well, we're super excited. Um, as I just shared with you, we have 13 stores. Um, we're going to have 18 by the end of the year in our existing markets. And we have 50 more doors on the horizon in the next two years. I'm looking at markets like Austin, Miami, and Boston, and Houston, Los Angeles, and New York. Um, and it's really fed by this belief that we have something net new to offer to the consumer, as you called out earlier, for a lot of different things. We really um, are able to take advantage of that full day-long experience for your first cup of coffee to your midday lunch, afternoon snack, and then um 
glass of wine and treat in the evening. And we also think of ourselves as being super ubiquitous. So, you know, you can connect with us in our stores. You can connect with us through the app, get a pickup in store. Or if you prefer, you can um, order from us for delivery from the comfort of your own couch. So um, right now, are you only available for e-com in the places where you have stores? Is all fulfillment done there? Currently, fulfillment is done out of our stores, but um, in a few weeks, we're going to be ramping up our national shipping efforts um, and going nationwide. We're calling it Foxtrot Anywhere. And it's really based in our obsession with food and our belief that our commitment to sourcing locally is something that um, many customers across the country would benefit from. Um, 40% of our assortment in our stores is locally sourced or um, part of an emerging or new entrepreneur. So we really think of our of our buyers as being more foragers than merchants, if you will. They're out there. They're looking for the next new thing. Um, even in our wine category, our typical stores have about 200 bottles of wine and are sourced from over 25 vendors. That's really, really unusual to have that type of matrix um, to build in an assortment. It speaks to the fact that we spend a lot of time thinking about which individual bottle or which individual items should be on our shelves. And we believe that that attention and obsession with food um, is something that a lot more customers share. And thus, um, we'll be launching Fox, Foxtrot Anywhere with a partnership um, with Milu Motamid in a couple of weeks. She's, of course, the former editor-in-chief of Food and Wine and most recently uh, a judge on Top Chef. Yes, I, uh, I saw her on Top Chef. Um, uh, that's a great, a great partnership. Um, so I would like to talk about the localized assortment because I think that that's kind that's a really big part of what the Foxtrot offering is. So I know that you, you curate everything sort of by the store. You focus very much on localized goods so that they speak to the neighborhood in which they are. How do you do that on the national scale, specifically when you're going to begin offering it everywhere? How do you do that as a marketer specifically? Because I feel like with with local assortment, that is very much about speaking to a very specific demographic and, you know, figuring out what it is that they'd like, who they like to buy, et cetera. So talk to me about sort of that shift as a marketer when you're going at, from a local assortment to a national audience. I think fundamentally it comes down to who we are as a brand, right? And I think no matter if we're assorting pickles um, specifically in DC or looking at Jardinier in Chicago, what connects both of those sensibilities is our approach to food, which we describe as an obsession with whatever is delicious uh, and, and, worth, and worth enjoying. And that commitment to having great tasting food is actually what has influenced our private label products. And we look at that as being... Um, and a, a, a way for us to express as a brand our commitment to delivering great food. And I believe that customers, no matter where you are, we are all on this journey of food discovery. I mean, you mentioned earlier in your intro the growth of TikTok um, in terms of really encouraging people to try new types of recipes. I think everybody went down that that tunnel of feta cheese and roasted tomatoes in the oven. I know I did, right? Um, so that idea that people want to see what's new and next, they want to connect through content. They really, really care about who's selling the product to them, what their values are as a business, and then really wanting to know that they're connecting with local um, creators and culinary imagineers, if you will, um, is something that, that we know that consumers are ready um, to to uh, discover with us. Are you as a marketer and trying though, to connect um, with those specific do, are you trends? As like, are you going to do a Foxtrot specific feta cheese with a local feta cheese label? How, how are you How are you connecting those two things? 
we love trends. We love trends. And part of what you're going to see actually when we launch national shipping um, are we're calling them kind of um, foodie lover overflowing um, boxes. Um, one which will be focused on what we know is an emerging trend. We believe it has real staying power, which is this theme of adaptogen. So food that has not just nutritional information, uh, nutritional elements embedded in it, but but um, elements and, and ingredients that are designed to actually impact your mental well-being. So that's just an example of, of the type of product that you will see online as we ramp up Foxtrot Anywhere. I'd love to know about how you go about, and this will go into the private label discussion, which I'm really excited because I, I love talking about private labels. But um, with your local sourcing, how do you go about doing that? Is it just a crack team of people that you have? Do you take? Do you listen to your Instagram feed where someone says, hey, Foxtrot, I love this local berry producer. You should do that. How, how do you do that? And, and are you... Do you talk to those brands as a marketing opportunity? Do you say, we're going to post this on our feed that we're, that you're in three of our stores? It's all of those things. And I so agree with you in terms of looking at the product is ultimately being the marketing strategy, right? We are all consumers of content. And the notion that we as a retailer can create things that are not just stories, but actually items that you can in fact consume, right? Consuming content, literally. I think a great example of that um, is we've been working with a baker in Chicago called Hard Bitten, Haley of Hard Bitten. We found her Pop-Tarts actually on an Instagram feed, DM'd her, said, hey, we got to bring these in. Um, and now you can find them in our Worker Park store and a couple of the locations rolling out uh, in a few more months. So I, I think it's this idea of being as obsessed about food as our customers are and recognizing that people really want to see the thing, and then enjoy the thing. And we believe that as merchant and retailers, we're really well positioned to make that sort of magic happen. This is just coming from someone who lives in New York, who lives in Brooklyn. I believe that uh, everyone has a specific connection to their corner store or their bodega, but it's a different kind of store. Or like, you know, everyone, ha every store has their own rhythm and cadence. And so do you, are you, as you expand, you go into new territories, are you looking for how the consumers interact specifically with their corner stores that may be different from city to city? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, um, you'll see that in our most recent store designs, even the, the location that I referred to just recently that we opened at the end of June, which is at the intersection of Milwaukee and Damon in Chicago, we knew that that was a neighborhood that had a really vibrant bustling um, um, evening and, and restaurant crowd and traffic. And we decided to really lean into that to create, in essence, an evening location for cheese and charcuterie where you could kind of warm up before going to dinner or on the opposite side, dial down um, by having a really great selection of desserts, all of which are paired to the wines um, that are part of our collection. Uh, you know, we really look at our brand as, as having at its core this obsession with food and drink and wine and then having different modalities around how that gets dialed up or dialed down depending upon the neighborhood depending upon how we want to think about the assortment in that specific location and geography. We're now going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And so let's talk about private label. You have a lot of different private label products. Can you just get sort of give an overview of what the overall strategy is? I mean, fundamentally, it starts, with, again, with this obsession of food. Um, you know, we really want to make sure that our brand is the product and the product is the brand, right? And from the get-go, we recognized that we were we were at this unique intersection where we could really understand consumer and customer trends, what they wanted to buy, um, where they wanted to buy it, 
And we felt that we, frankly, we had a responsibility to make that experience, you know, delightful. Um, and so our approach to private label has not been to introduce a, a lesser than product or to simply offer a cheaper product, but rather to say, okay, what is the sensibility that we can bring uniquely to this category that we know that our customers are going to love and be as obsessed with as we are. Um, whether it's the, the latest introduction of chips that we brought in, which has a, we had a lot of fun kind of bringing in flavors that we saw trend in other markets. Like we have a, a spicy dill pickle potato chip, which is in a, a, a clear bestseller that came from our understanding of how um, our customers in Dallas actually shop with us, what kind of flavors they like. Another example is um, our coffee ice cream. That was a moment where we work with Metric Coffee in Chicago, and we absolutely love the flavor of their, their beans. And we decided, let's just mash that up with some great ice cream, and it became a flavor. Um, I think it's that sensibility of really trying to make those moments of delight um, that much more enjoyable by introducing a sensibility that's only Foxtrot. And so when you're talking about matching to trends, you mentioned that you were looking at... Um like uh, sales sales data in Dallas. But are you also, do you, do you use any tools specifically to say that, you know, I, I know we keep talking about the feta cheese thing, but it's a really easy one. So like, you know, the fact that it was trending on TikTok, maybe we should do a private label feta, or is it more just looking at what your customers are doing at the moment? It's both of those things. I think, you know, we we believe our job, right, as, as really good merchants and foragers, as, as I say, is to be, um, anticipatory in terms of what the next best thing is. So we want to be delightful, right? We look at food as being a place to discover, a place to enjoy, a place to get educated. We don't want to be predictable. So it's it certainly we use data. We love data. We are a digitally based business, but we're also obsessed with what are we seeing? What's just emerging? I think a great example is the work our social team has done in terms of using polls, even on Instagram, to figure out what is the next flavor of our gummy bags that we should bring in. What are you guys vibing on? What are the what are what are the shapes? What are the what's the do you like sour? Do you like sweet? How should we think about it? And then funneling that information over to our buying team. Another way that we've been um, using that kind of social discovery as a component. In product, in product discovery is frankly even how we merchandise. So we we had some fun on TikTok just marrying different types of um, red wines with pizza. The content took off and then we decided to just put together an aisle and make it fully shoppable in our app around that theme. So I think about it as being almost like a tennis ball, right? Like it's going back and forth between what we're seeing, what the customer is seeing, what's out there, what's new, what's exciting. And, and really our strength and, and our perspective um, as a brand is to knit it all together in a way that feels super fresh. That's wow, fascinating. That's... I want to ask sort of a broad question and, you know, feel free to talk about this from your standpoint as a marketing professional or from Foxtrot standpoint, but it's something that I, I've always, like, I try to ask many people sort of in your position, which is just the role of private label nowadays, because I feel like it falls into two buckets. There's one where it is sort of the, the value-based one. This is cheap and I'm going to get it. And it's, you know, in the frozen aisle. And then there's also a bunch of retailers that are trying to make a cult following of, of the private label brand. I know that uh, like Kirkland Hills is a good one. Trader Joe's is a really great example. Do you, are you trying to tap into that when you say the product is the brand or are you trying, and are you trying to build an actual branding for each private label, or are you just trying to tell the story of the product itself? 
I think, you know, it's such a great question. And I would say we safely fall in the second camp, right? We, we believe our brands um, have, and the products that we've created can stand alone comfortably outside of our stores, but we view them as a way to kind of embody what Foxtrot is about um, very neatly within a package. And we see this um, approach really giving us a lot of flexibility where, for example, this summer, our campaign was the summer of everything. And into that arc of storytelling, we introduced the launch of our private label chips. And that was all around the theme of going out and picnicking and enjoying and enjoying Foxtrot out of doors. Um, We had a whole other series of content where it was the summer of ice cream. And we tied that to um, the launch of our ice cream collection. I think the reality is the customer is as interested in the product as they are in the brand. And as marketers, private label gives us a great way to really make our brand values and our brand promise physical and tangible and real. It's just a great way of making your commitment to your customer expressed in a way that um, the customer can give you direct and immediate feedback on. And as a marketer, you have a way to to gauge simply through the performance of sales of how effectively your brand is connecting with your customer. Do you market specifically the price point? Are you talking about, you know, we have this great ice cream and it's also cheaper than Haagen-Dazs or sort of is that is that are you looking more at the other aspect of things? On the other aspect of it, I mean, I think our, our products are priced in line with their quality, in line with our assortment and other branded players. Um, but we don't, we felt that to communicate on price for us just would um, box us into a corner in terms of where we, we we wanted the ultimate dialogue and conversation with our customers to be, which was ultimately, does it taste great? Would you come back and buy it again? Um, are you de- as delighted by the taste and, and um, the enjoyment of eating it? as you are by the packaging, we really wanted to make sure that we felt we were creating something that had something new to say in the market. And we weren't simply trying to um, get our customer to consider a, a cheaper alternative. And do you find yourself marketing the entire stores? Like, I think the aspect that, the, 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 that you turn the stores from a corner store into a wine bar is really interesting. Are you expressing that? Like, in, in, in your materials, are you trying to target people to come in, have a glass of wine? Or are you more saying, we have this really good rosé, um, it's from here, you can try it at night? How, like, how, how do you talk about the stores in comparison with the, the products you sell? You know, ultimately, our our four our, our fundamental commitment is to Fox Hearts the place for great food and great wine, and we use that quite flexibly depending upon um, the time of day. We we adjust our advertising based on different day parts. So obviously, we're not going to be marketing to you about getting a glass of wine at eight o'clock on Monday morning, but we will be talking to you about our local lattes and latest coffee special. So that flexibility of having an ecosystem that has multiple day parts, um, multiple use case scenarios gives us a lot of flexibility to lean into different conversations in different media moments, depending upon the customer segment that we're talking to. And I think fundamentally, when we do broad-based advertising um, or, or media connections, we really focus on category strengths and our commitment to great food and, and wine quality. We recognize that there's there's bursts of moment from more from an influencer outreach approach or from a PR approach where we want to get a little bit more product specific. But broadly, we're really focused on making sure that our customers understand how committed we are to a fantastic superior convenience store experience 
and how much we want that to be part of their local and community routine. So let's talk about the marketing plan for the year to come. You have this huge expansion uh, both this year and in the following years. What is how are how are you blasting this out? What is different now than it was earlier this year? You know, I think the piece that's so exciting for us is that we've really been leaning into our cafe food program much more aggressively. Um, and you'll see that in our new store format. So we've always had, we've always been a place where you can get a great cup of coffee and a, and a locally, a local donut, local croissant. Um, in our newer stores, you really can come in and get the feeling that throughout the day, there are various fresh food offerings, whether it's um, savory pastry, pastries or um, freshly made sandwiches that are that are um, that are that are assembled or, or rather made on site in the evening. I'm having more of a cafe food program uh, with bowls and different types of toasts. So that will be a big piece of of the work that we develop and as part of our market launches, really letting people know about our cafe offerings. Um, and then I think beyond that. Um, the flexibility of Foxtrot Anywhere is going to give us an ability to speak to our own perspective on food, as well as um, how we're engaging partners around different emerging food trends that we're seeing. And what specifically on the platform side and channel side are you going to be doing? Are you going to be doing a big national TV blitz? Are you going to be focusing on influencer marketing on TikTok? Sort of how do you see getting this message out nationwide is going to, to work? Yeah, no, you'll see a lot of us work, we, you will see us working um, in, in the usual digital media suspects, certainly YouTube and Instagram and, and doing some testing and learning on TikTok. Influencers will be, in, they have already become a big part of our storytelling and reach strategy and they will continue to be so. Um, but there, I think, you know, like many brands, we're becoming a lot more thoughtful about who is telling stories about us, who's creating content about us. Because we want to make sure that even if it's a story that's that's two paces removed, it still feels like it's hitting all the marks around what makes Foxtrot so unique. What kind of influencers are you seeking out? Are you seeking out national influencers, micro influencers, specifically influencers from Chicago or Dallas? How how, how do you how do you think about that? It'll be both of those things. I think you know from a national perspective, obviously really interested in players who have larger reach, but whose identity and followers are are tied in the same verticals that we have a commitment to, whether it's um, being somebody who's obsessed with food and who maybe has an editorial perspective or someone who themselves is, is a food entrepreneur. Um, but we also are huge fans of, of micro uh, influencers. And we recognize that particularly in, in the cities that we currently operate in, they've been super, super effective in telling those stories, particularly as they pertain to what's happening in our stores, right? So if you think about our stores, as I, I always like to describe them as theater, right? So they're, they're, they all have their um, activities and events, whether it's, you know, Friday night wine tastings. It's so effective to be working with um, influencers and personalities at the local level who can engage with what's happening in your store and connect with their local audience as a way to um, gain awareness and excitement around what's happening at your local Foxtrot. Well, Carla, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and really love what you guys are doing. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.